0: Once upon a time, a company was founded. They helped all of their clients, everyone got along, and they lived happily ever after. What a boring story. Where's the conflict? Where's the character development? Where's the romance? When it comes to comedy, storytelling plays a vital role in building connection with the audience. Who are you as a performer? Why should they listen to you or even like you? What struggles have you gone through and how did you learn to either overcome them or take it on the chin? Is the audience rooting for you? Are they rooting against you? Are you being authentic in your delivery and in your performance? Storytelling in comedy is vital. It's obvious, but it's an often overlooked aspect of leadership. What stories are you telling yourself as a leader? What stories are you communicating with your team? Are you communicating with your team? And on the inverse, what story are your employees telling themselves about their work, about your leadership, about your organization? That's where Lindsey Groper, the president of Blast Media, comes in. Her emphasis on storytelling has set the tone for a culture filled with people who enjoy their work and the people they do it with, making Blast Media a perennial top workplace in Indiana. I'm David Horning. Join Lindsay and I as we show that great leaders and great comedians share many of the same qualities, proving that you can laugh at work. Joining me today out of Indianapolis is Lindsay Groper. She is is the CEO of of Blast Media, which is a B2B SaaS uh, PR company. Kind of explain a little bit what you guys do uh, to to help other organizations.
1: Yeah, well, good morning, David. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm the president of Blast Media. My my partner in crime, Mindy Wernie, is CEO. So I don't want to take that from her. Uh, but we've been around for almost 17 years. In our before you started recording, you said 20 years, and it that seemed like a lot longer than we've been around, but it's not. So old. Uh, So we, yeah, we started, gosh, almost 17 years ago. And what we do is public relations for B2B software companies. So those that do not work in technology that are, are listening, I don't want to go too much in the weeds, but essentially we are publicists, but instead of for people, it is for software companies and their executive leaders.
0: You know, being in the uh, be, being publicist, it takes a degree of creativity. You're you're dealing with. I mean, you have to clean up other people's messes on on, on some levels. Uh, what is one of the more entertaining stories that that uh, really kind of allowed you to step into your creativity when it comes to helping another organization uh, deal with with a PR situation?
1: Yeah. And I'm glad that you're actually tying the lines between PR and creativity because oftentimes people don't, we are not visually creative. That is not the medium that we use. We use our words to be creative. And so the creativity really lies in the storytelling. You know, we have clients that are, uh, artificial intelligence for IT operations. Wow, how exciting. Uh, so we have to figure out though, how do we tell a story? What what can we pull out from within that organization that now, number one is interesting to the people that are buying that software. So that's a whole other a whole segment of people. But then also what business stories or leadership stories um, how are they helping their customers in a way that's going to resonate with more of a mass audience? So we are able to use our creativity really with the what we believe is the lost art of storytelling. Um, and one really cool way that we do that is through uh, basically mining through our clients' customers. So they might not do something that's all that interesting right to to you and I or Joe on the street uh, because of technology. But when you peel it back and start to understand how it impacts their customers, that's where when some cool stuff happens. So we've been able to work with our clients' customers. Um, one of our clients is for broad term HR technology, uh, but we were able to uncover a really cool story from within their client, Southwest Airlines and pitch how their software was essentially helping reduce hiring bias for Southwest Airlines. And we were able to pitch that and get that placed in the Wall Street Journal and Business Insider, um, which is, for you and I, seems a whole lot cooler of a story um, than getting a story in HR Technologist, for example.
0: It's every kid's dream, right? Right. They wake up in the morning and I'm, I'm going to be an astronaut or I'm going to get a story published in HR Technologist. If only we talk about storytelling, storytelling is a, it's a topic that I've seen come up. A lot of organizations are trying to figure out how do we tell our story better? And how do you, how do you teach your team uh, to find those stories, to find the thing that's interesting, the hook, the, the, the juicy, the meat that, that's going to get people listening and interested in, in your clients and in their customers?
1: I would point to probably two things. One is reducing fear and being genuinely curious. Um, We we we're talking with oftentimes um, high profile CEOs as the spokesperson. And we have to really instill confidence in our team who are asking the questions to understand that we're this CEO may know more about business or this specific technology than you ever will, but we know more about storytelling and PR than they do. So, reducing that fear to ask the personal questions and take the, that questioning to the next level. And then, also, again, just being genuinely curious. So, rather than uh, having a list of questions and you ask the question, get the answer, move on to the next is we encourage our people to really listen, ask a question, open up your ears and listen, and find one thing at least in that answer that you can pick out and then take that down to the next level and dive deeper. And So it's really, it's equally important that you're asking interesting questions as it is that you're listening to the information that you're given so you know what to latch onto and dig deeper. Because typically the first answer is never the best answer or the thing that's interesting. So you have to have the ability to, to ask the second and third question in order to get what you need
0: you've been uh, on the best place to work list six years in a row so how does that congratulations first and foremost that's that's no easy feat but when it comes to you know asking the next question and listening and and finding out what's the question behind the question really when it comes to, uh, to dealing with with clients How does that show up in your culture because there's a reason you're a best place to work day in and day out so how are those conversations uh transition from this is how we find the story for our clients to this is how we learn about one another that you know we're working side by side with
1: yeah thank you for recognizing that with best places to work uh what we do is really hard i mean our our job is so hard the work is never done we're in the services business um, you know, you always have clients that aren't happy. You have more press that you could be pitching more that you could be writing. So it is a, it is a tireless and sometimes very thankless job. So when we do win these awards and we see the survey results and we see that, you know, we have over 90% retention rate the last uh, 12 months, which is is crazy in and of itself. It does make my partner and I step back and say, we're, we're doing something right. Uh, and when, You know, we we set out and started Blast Media all those years ago, um, we had really one North Star that has stayed the same, and that is to create a place of work where people enjoy the work that they do and the people that they do it with. And that has always been our guiding light with the agency. And so even with the growth that we've had, people say, what does the next five years or 10 years hold? That's still the goal. And so we've really made every decision based on that uh and truly believe that and we have we do have three core values that really map back to that um that is enjoy life seek growth and hustle hard and the enjoy life part is really important Um, we all know life is too short to do something that you don't enjoy and people that you don't enjoy doing it with and when we see that light go out in someone it's okay, and we we either figure out can we fix it? Is there a different role here? Um, is there a different work that you could be doing? Uh, and if not, let's work together and find a transition plan and find you a place that that light's going to go back on. We do believe that happy people yield happy clients, and if you are putting your people first, the rest will follow. If you're if you answer the question, what's your number one priority, and you say profit. You're really gonna struggle, um, and so we've really just used the the people as our as our guiding light as to how we make all of our decisions. And there's a lot of different components that go along with that, but um, certainly one of those is transparency and trust. Um, it's not all butterflies and roses every day or every year. We've had some really shitty years, and it's important that our team understands that, and we're very transparent on how we are doing with margins, how many clients are coming versus going. And you don't have to be a mathematician to understand on some of those quarters that things aren't great. Uh, But we've weathered that storm together and everyone has this sense of togetherness to weather it together as opposed to, we're on this life raft and I'm going to steal all the rations and I'm gonna figure out how to get Jeff off this lifeboat because he's adding too much weight. It's like, let's all plug the holes and figure out how we can stay afloat together. Um, And it's that sense of togetherness that uh, I do believe is one of the reasons that people stick around a really long time. It's not so much the work, but the people that they do it with. Even Jeff. Even Jeff. We don't have a Jeff. I actually just came up with a random name and I'm so glad that we did because I alluded (laughs) that Jeff was overweight and I (laughs) don't have a Jeff.
0: <laughs> now you got an HR nightmare in your hands. I yeah.
1: know.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll edit. We'll edit that out if there if there is a Jeff. There's but, no uh, Jeff.
1: Yeah. Jeff's okay. fictional. It's okay. <laughs> it's
0: always good to have that that Jeff. I use Judy as an example uh, very frequently. So so Jeff and Judy should meet. No, <laughs> you talk about people over profit and that is it's it's easier said than done you know it looks great on paper it's something that most leaders can point to and say that's something that we believe in but when the going gets tough when when the shit hits the fan you know it we have attended a basic human tendency to revert to that most basic instinct of getting jeff off the raft, of of you know taking the rations what can i get now instead of what can i offer the people around me to make them more successful so i You're a human being I'm sure you've run into these these moments where it's like you know that you get that that stress that Anxiety that kicks in that starts to try to get you away from all these things that you've conditioned yourself to do as a leader How do you overcome that that little voice? That's like no take it, you know,
1: yeah and I appreciate you asking that because it it is important that you manage to the business so this isn't people at all costs, and, oh, we'll just let the PNL be where it is and you know worry about that later. You do have to manage the business. And I will say one of the things that uh, our CEO is wonderful at is managing to the business so there are very few surprises. And what that allows us to do is is you know over the years when they they're not the best years. It's not all of a sudden we flip the page into November and we're like, shit, what happened? We got yeah we we've been able to see trends over time and put uh, things in place where we can have real conversations with our people to say this is what's going on. Um, here's where I'm going to need some help for you guys to step up because we're looking at you know basically 90 days from now. If this, then that. And again, it's that sense of bringing everybody together and understanding how we can all step up to ensure that that in 90 days isn't our outcome. Um, so I, I don't want to uh, to give the impression that it's always about the people. You have to manage the business, but stay in front of it so that there aren't surprises. And you can have those conversations. And we've seen our people step up huge when we've needed to be. And it might be that uh, you know I need you guys to, you two people to lean into new business right? And I need you who traditionally don't have our hands in accounts, but as our best person, you're a VP. I need you over here on these five accounts because they're highest paying accounts to make sure that they have the right attention. And yes, these things are probably going to suck and add to your workload here over the next 90 days. But again, if, if this, then that. So everyone's willing to say, yep, got it. And we help get us out of those situations together. And um, but you have to involve your people in those decisions and let them into the fold um, to understand what's going on in the business so they can get their buy-in to come together and put in some extra effort.
0: I want to address what everything you just said from a creativity standpoint, first and foremost, and I forgot to ask this question earlier. And and so that'll that'll segue into the next question. But uh, how would you define creativity?
1: Wow, it's a good question that I have it's never loaded. been asked. Um, the word that is actually coming to mind is pivoting for some reason, mm-hmm. Um, some form of pivoting. And I don't know what else is surrounding that, but when when something is not working or is not sticking is figuring out how to pivot and present ideas in a new way. And I guess whether that is graphically, if that's musically, um, I think we all can feel it when something's not quite there, almost there, not quite there, um, and being able to be okay with s- number one scrapping an additional an, an initial idea or initial concept, and being okay with that if, if there's been some holes poked in it, uh, and or iterating quickly, taking feedback, and being able being open to new ideas. Um, so it's not, I don't know if that's necessarily a definition, but that the idea of pivoting into something else is what first came to my mind.
0: Yeah, it's really like, what does it mean to you? And, it, and everybody has a different definition, but in yeah. some way, like there's always that common ground of, you know, finding new ways to present ideas, finding new ways to solve problems. Uh, the way, what you just mentioned is my literal process for every time I take something to the stage, whether as a comedian or as a speaker you know, there are some ideas where I'm like, oh man, this is hilarious. Everybody's going to love this. And people are going to be standing and applauding me after I tell this joke and then crickets. And then it's like, okay, well maybe I did something a little bit wrong and then I'll tweak it a little bit and then crickets. And then, okay, maybe if I move these things around and then, okay, a couple people chuckled, that's still not what I'm looking for. So, you know, like the metrics are there to say, okay, this, what I thought was a good idea isn't working. I'm tweaking it and and you know you keep moving that along now when you're in that one of those situations where you you're focusing on if this then that and people are hitting that that creative stopping point that that overwhelm the the writer's block so to speak when it comes to solving problems we all do it, we all go there. It doesn't matter how creative we are, how smart we are, how awesome we are. Uh, what do you do to kind of overcome that for yourself? And how do you help the people on your team to overcome that? those roadblocks, those mental roadblocks? You can't laugh at that. Hey, hope you're enjoying this episode of You Can't Laugh at Work with Lindsay Groper. Before we get back to her answer to that question about creativity and creative problem solving at Blast Media, I am want to talk about creative problem solving at your company, because creativity is a skill that is being more highly valued than it ever has in the workplace. And when it comes to creativity, it's all about curiosity. It's all about asking questions. And what better way to do that than to laugh together as a team yeah that's a plot twist i know studies have shown that groups who watch something as simple as a funny comedy video before getting to work solving problems are 28 percent more effective at solving those problems as people who don't watch those videos so the act of simply laughing together brings your team together and makes them a more cohesive and collaborative unit you too can have this at your organization now the holidays are just around the corner What we do at Water Cooler Comedy is we offer a totally customized corporate comedy experience for your team. We transform your workspace into a comedy club with lighting, sound, professional comedians, and maybe even a guest appearance from you or one of your employees who wants to try their hand at stand-up comedy. We offer training for that. Give your team a reason to get excited about the years to come, even though they're filled with uncertainty and challenges and question marks. Being able to laugh together makes those problems seem a little bit smaller. Visit watercoolercomedy.org forward slash corporate hyphen comedy to learn a little bit more. It is a fully collaborative, customizable experience. We'll hop on a call, figure out what's best for you, and book the show that will have your team laughing around the water cooler for years to come, whether it's virtual or in person. And now, back to this episode of You Can Laugh at Work. You can't
1: laugh at that. You're so right about having an idea and it not landing. And we also communicate this to our team is like, guys, we're making the best decisions that we think are good for right now. And sometimes it's six months down the road, and we're like, well, that was a good try, but boy, <laughs> this what what we just rolled. We realized we just rolled out a new structure. It's not working. So now here's our new, new. So we have like new, 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 new. uh, And our our people have gotten really good at rolling with it. Uh, But there's pretty quick indicators when something's not working. But we do let it play out long enough to ensure that it's not just initial kinks with the change. Um, But we're fortunate that, you know, again, this idea of being in it together, we are not competitive at all within our agency. There's no benefit in one person succeeding over another um so as a result we at least this is what our team has said especially those that you know we've doubled in headcount the last 12 months which has been insane but the new people who have come in have said that they've never felt a level of support that they have felt here when they come and have questions and get stuck um so this is not again just me saying oh, so supportive this is what our team is saying um so when there is a block or something is not working one of the best things that we're able to do is bring in outside perspective so someone who doesn't work on that team sometimes it's me sometimes it's literally just a team leader from another uh we work in squads from another squad where you just got to get out of the weeds right you're so close to something that everyone's like, we've tried everything. And then you bring in someone who's not so tied to it and they have six fresh ideas and people are like, God, why didn't I see that? Um, so we're, that always works for us is bringing in perspective and then uh, walking the team through how we got to these ideas. And, um, we all get those roadblocks. I mean, but it's often because you're just in it, you're so in it that you can't see your way out of it. Um, so bringing in someone who doesn't have that, um, close tie to it is really helpful in getting us unstuck in those moments.
0: Do you think of stand-up comedy, you think, oh, it's a one person act, but right. where where the real creativity happens is after you get off stage, you're you're shooting the shit at the table with with your fellow comics and the the comics who are good at what they do listen to the ideas that are offered from the other comics. Even though it's like, okay, that's your voice, that's your idea, that's your perspective and not mine. I'm open to it because it might spark something. It might remind me of something that I hadn't thought of. And so that outside perspective, that's that's a really good idea that, that you guys do.
1: And two, so you have to have this sense of the fellow comedians being trusted advisors. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you been in a situation where you're like, well, I'm not gonna take their feedback because they're trying to like fucking sabotage me or like right. they want they want the opening spot, not me. Uh, do you feel that way sometimes, or do you feel typically that everyone's in it together? The good
0: ones are in it together. Those, those who try to grab the spot, it's too small of a business. Like it's people talk. So if somebody is doing that, it very quickly gets shouted out and put down, uh, whether on social media or within each city's local comedy scene. And, and they, they get blacklisted pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. And I think that's important to, to delineate to, for those that are listening is everyone will give you feedback. Uh, It might not be truthful. It might, they might be afraid to give you feedback depending on who you're asking and sort of what that chain of command is. They may be, they give you false positive feedback uh, or they give you uh, they're lying because Mm -hmm. they're, there's some sort of personal gain for them. To answer a certain way so it's important that if you go into a situation that you feel and someone's giving feedback that you feel like that's a trusted advisor um and that's why for, you know from our agency being non-competitive um, there truly is no benefit for one person not succeeding and one person succeeding it just it doesn't make sense so when we are able to come in and give ideas or have you thought about this way there isn't they're like well they're just saying that because they want me to fail or they want me to look stupid in front of my client. There's none of that, so there's a much more openness to accepting new ideas and feedback.
0: Mm-hmm. And and it sounds like from what, what we talked about earlier, that goes into the questions that that are prevalent in everyday. Getting to the the un- unpeeling that extra layer and going a, a layer deeper. I mean, it's a you know that creates that deeper human connection, so that we're avoiding those. Those oh, this person is actually toxic. Like right. situations where you where it's a great way to to weed people out, but also to, to is. point people in the right direction.
1: And it is it is to your point fairly easy to recognize those that ultimately aren't a fit. Mm-hmm. And we've yeah. had some tough situations too, where high performers aren't culture fits. And what do you do in that situation? And you really have to look at it from a a long-term and from a a toxicity standpoint. Um, and we, you know, we've made some, some mistakes along the way, but it's when you do have such a great culture and like-minded people, it's pretty easy to spot the ones that aren't quite a fit from a culture standpoint. And those are hard decisions to make as a business, but I guarantee the people listening, you have really high performers that you know for a fact are not a fit And that there's been multiple people who work for them who have quit, but you're afraid to let go of that person because the clients love them and they're a high performer. Ultimately, that person has to go. And that's a tough decision that you have to make, but you have to think about that long term and the effects that it's having on potential new talent that you need to groom the future of the business.
0: What sort of tools do you offer them or perspectives or feedback do you offer them to kind of try to write them before they, before that that question of, or that, that decision of, you know, we gotta, we gotta part ways.
1: Yeah. And it's typically not a, like an overnight knee jerk reaction. It's something that you start to feel Mm -hmm. and then you start Mm -hmm. to get the data to back it up. Um, usually it's you know, that just that feeling in your gut where like, I don't know. And then you start to have some conversations and really David, what we have found is that people are hardwired a certain way. And there's no amount of, of feedback and coaching that you can provide that is going to change the wiring of a human being. That's based on how they were raised, the environment that they were exposed to. Um, And in just because it doesn't work for us, doesn't, I mean, these people go on to be widely, widely successful. So it's, it's not that um, I'm not, it's just not, doesn't work for us um in our culture and our culture is different than everyone else you know another company so um ultimately then you know there's only been a a couple sort of over our history but ultimately they're wired the way that they're wired um and it it just was time to go
0: culture is an interesting word it's another one of those words like creativity it's subjective it's different for everybody that Mm -hmm. i talk to so I want to end this episode on a positive note. <laughs> uh, let's, let's kind of go into, because culture to me is how people treat one another on a moment to moment basis. How do people leave the workday feeling versus, yep. uh, you know, some sort of graphic on a wall that everybody can see that means nothing. So when it comes to, to culture, the culture that I want to build is a culture uh, where people know that they're going to laugh, that they're going to come together and have that shared experience of laughter as a team, no matter, no matter what it is they're laughing about, whether it's that cathartic release of we messed up real bad, but we can have a laugh about it. Um, What was the last thing that you and your team laughed together about?
1: Oh, wow. So every Thursday, uh, we have a, a six person executive team and we, meet um and it's sometimes too it's just you laugh to keep from crying yeah where you have to you have to think it through lightly and it was actually just a it was a call where we all just I mean all of our personal lives were a shit show and so we're just one-upping each other on yeah you think that's bad listen to this and we got a really good laugh at it because you have to um and You know the to have to have fun together it's important as i said our our job is really really hard and there has to be some levity to it and you mentioned you know with with culture it's how people feel and uh, you know our culture is we want everyone to feel like they matter no matter how long you've been here no matter what your title is that everybody has a voice everyone's opinion matters that there's a level of trust and safety with your feelings that uh, we can have very candid conversations. Um, I mean, we always say we can't fix what we don't know, and so it's important that people raise their hand and feel comfortable to do so. Um, but that's, at least for me, the culture I think that we've created is that everyone feels like they matter, um, and it's a hard thing to achieve, especially as we've grown and doubled our headcount. Um, but we have to be able to instill that that sense of our culture into our newer managers. And ensure that they feel that and know how to pass that along because as you scale one of the biggest fear factors you have is who are going to be the stewards of the culture because it can't be my partner and i when we're you know 60 70 100 people like it was when we were 20 and seeing each other in the office every day um so uh, who are going to be the stewards of your culture as you grow is something that i would recommend all leaders take a look at and ensure that who those leaders are and next leaders are do match that culture, because you have to have people in the right seats in order to be those stewards.
0: All right, we're we're running out of time here. So uh, before uh, you go, like, what is the next step for for Blast Media? What is the, the looking in the crystal ball? You know, you're you're a rapidly growing company. The, this is you know, software as a service is something that even the most resistant organizations are now kind of looking into uh, to survive. So for you, what does what the the crystal ball look like for the next? Yeah,
1: for the, you know, the crystal future? ball, the North Star is still the same. It is to be a place of work where people enjoy the work and the people that they do it with. That's never going to change, no matter how many people we have, how many clients we have. Um, I think our goal is just to be the best. It's to be the best PR firm for B2B SaaS companies and the best place for PR professionals to work that really is our goal and that, that, you know, yes, maybe we'll grow our revenue. Maybe, maybe we'll grow our people, maybe. Um, but using our, our guiding principle of of making sure that it's a place that people really want to come to work and two, we bought a building. And so moving into our office in November, it's to create a kick-ass space that people would much rather go to than their bedroom or working off their kitchen table. So it's creating this really awesome space. Um, so that we can um, all be together and still have choices in our our space for what works for everybody. Um, But really excited and just so incredibly grateful that our people are sticking around. You hear about the big quit, the great resignation, and fuck, we still have people that have been with us for years and years and years. Um, And extremely grateful that they choose to spend their talents and wake up every day and come to Blast Media because they all have options.
0: That is a testament to, to what you do, because that's what I'm helping panicking managers deal with right now. It's like, nobody's nobody's saying, everybody's trying to go somewhere else. So, well, we'll thank you for sharing. And then this is why I had you on the show. So, thank you for sharing uh, your your perspectives on creativity, on leadership, on taking risks, on on building a culture uh, where it is okay to laugh at work.
1: Absolutely. And
0: uh, you have a podcast. Tell us a little bit about uh, SaaS half full.
1: Yes. Sass Half Full has been going about two years now. It's super fun. I ship all of my guests a cocktail kit and we talk SaaS marketing over cocktails. So uh, sometimes it's 10 a.m. on a Tuesday and I'm in the office drinking a cocktail. That is my life. I will always stay true to the process though. I've never not drank on an episode of Sass Half Full um, so if you guys just search it, you'll find it. And if anyone's interested in being a guest, uh, certainly uh, you can reach out via all of the interwebs things. You can find it easily.
0: I'm thinking about getting into SAS right now just to be on your podcast. <laughs> Have you a go. cocktail with you.
1: Have a fancy cocktail kit shipped to your door.
0: That sounds amazing. Well, Lindsay, thank you again for for joining me today and helping us prove that you can laugh at work.
1: Thank you, David.
0: You can't laugh at that.
1: This podcast is
0: brought to you by Water Cooler Comedy. What if your team was as excited to clock in on Monday morning as they were for that first drink on Friday night? As the workforce continues to shift and deal with new disruptions and distractions, leaders are looking for answers as to how they can bring their teams together, recruit and retain top talent, and be ready for the next unexpected adversity. Turns out, when humor plays an active role in the workplace experience, it can help solve all of those challenges. And at Water Cooler Comedy, it's our mission to turn your company into one where laughing together is part of building a stronger culture and improving the problem solving process. From customized corporate comedy experiences, to keynotes, to comedy workshops, to online training and one-on-one consulting and more, Water Cooler Comedy can help make your company one where people come together to laugh around the water cooler, whether it's in person or virtual. Schedule a free consultation today at watercoolercomedy.org forward slash booking or learn more about us at watercoolercomedy.org because we want to help you make work the time and place to laugh.